my friends. Before everything else, we should learn to be silent so that we may be able to speak. Otherwise, my voice will condemn me before another's voice acquits me. For it is written, by your words you shall be condemned. Why put yourself in danger of condemnation by speaking when you could be safe by keeping silent? How many people I have seen fall into sin by speaking, but scarcely one by keeping silent? It is more difficult to know how to keep silent than how to speak. I know that most people speak because they don't know how to keep silent. Even if there is nothing to be gained by speaking, it's rare for people to keep silent. It's a wise man who knows how to do it. The wisdom of God says, The Lord has given to me the tongue of learning that I should know when it is good to speak. Someone is rightly called wise when God has taught them when they ought to speak. So scripture is right to say, A wise man will keep silent until there is an opportunity. The Lord's saints love to keep silent because they knew that a man's voice often utters sin and a man's speech is the beginning of human error. One of the Lord's saints said, I will take heed to my ways that I offend not in my tongue. For he knew and had read that it was a mark of divine protection for a man to be hidden from the scourge of his own tongue in the witness of his own conscience. We are chastised by the quiet reproaches of our thoughts and by the judgment of conscience. We're chastised also by the lash of our own voice when we say things that mortally injure our soul and sorely wound our mind. But whose heart is clean from the impurities of sin? Who does not offend with his tongue? And so, when he saw there was no one who could prevent him from speaking evil, he laid upon himself the law of innocence by a rule of silence, so as to avoid with silence the sin that would be difficult to escape while speaking. Let us rush then to the master of precaution. Job said, In the silent biddings of my thoughts, I have enjoined upon myself that I should take heed to my ways. There are some ways which we ought to follow. There are others which we ought to be wary of. We must follow the ways of the Lord and be wary of our own ways. Otherwise, they will lead us into sin. You can only be wary in this way if you're not too quick to speak. The law says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. It did not say, Speak. It said, Hear. Eve fell because she said to Adam something that she did not hear from the Lord her God. The first word God says to you is, Hear. 
if you hear, be wary of your ways, and if you have fallen, quickly change your ways. For the psalm says, where does a young man amend his ways except in taking heed to the word of the Lord? Be silent, therefore, first of all, and hearken that you fail not in your tongue. It is a great evil for a man to be condemned by his own mouth. Really, if everyone will have to give an account for careless words, how much more for words that are shameful and impure? The words you utter rashly are far worse than careless ones. If an account is demanded for the careless words, how much more will punishment be exacted for impious language? So what then? Does this mean we should be dumb? Well, certainly not. There's a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. If then we have to give an account for careless words, let us make sure that we don't also have to give an account for careless silence. For there is also an active silence such as Susanna's was, who accomplished more by keeping silent than if she had spoken. For in keeping silent before men, she spoke to God and found no greater proof of her purity than silence. Her conscience spoke where no word was heard, and she sought no judgment for herself at the hands of men, for she had the witness to the Lord. She desired to be acquitted by him. The one she knew could not be deceived in any way. The Lord himself in the gospel accomplished in silence the salvation of men. It was right then for David to demand of himself not constant silence, but watchfulness. Let us then guard our hearts. Let us guard our mouths. Both have been written about. In one place, we are bidden to be wary of our mouth. In another place, we are told, keep your heart with all diligence. If David took heed of this, Will you not? If Isaiah had unclean lips, who said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man and have unclean lips. If a prophet of the Lord has unclean lips, how can ours be clean? For whom was it written, if not for every single one of us? Hedge your property about with thorns, and bind up your silver and gold and make a door and a bar for your mouth and a yoke and a balance for your words. Your property is your mind. Your gold is your heart. Your silver is your speech. The psalm says, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried by fire. A good mind is also good property. And further, a pure inner life is valuable property. Hedge in, then, this property of yours. Enclose it with thought. Guard it with thorns. That is, with pious care, lest the fierce passions of the flesh should rush upon it and lead it captive. Lest strong emotions should assault it and overstepping their bounds carry off its vintage. Guard your inner self, 
Do not neglect or contemn it as though it were worthless because it's valuable property. Truly valuable. Because its fruit is not perishable and fleeting, but it's lasting and of use for eternal salvation. So cultivate your property. Let it be your tilling ground. Bind up your words so that they do not run riot, grow malicious, and gather up sin for themselves with too much talking. Instead, let them be confined and held back within their own banks. An overflowing river quickly gathers mud. Bind up also your meaning. Don't leave it slack and unchecked, otherwise it will be said of you, there is no healing balsam, nor oil, nor bandage to apply. Sobriety of mind has reins which direct and guide it. Let your mouth have a door so that you can shut it when the need arises. Let that door be carefully barred so that none may rouse your voice to anger and you pay back abuse with abuse. You have heard it read, be angry and sin not. And so even if we are angry, this arising from the actions of our nature and not our will, we should not utter with our mouth even one evil word. Otherwise, we fall into sin. There should be a yoke and a balance to your words. That is, humility and moderation. So your tongue may be subject to your mind. Let it be held in check with a tight rein. Let it have its own means of restraint so it can be recalled to moderation. Only let it utter words tried by the scales of justice that there may be seriousness in your meaning, weight in your speech, and due measure in your words. The one who takes heed to this will be mild, gentle, and modest. For in guarding his mouth and restraining his tongue, and in not speaking before examining, pondering and weighing his words, as to whether this should be said, that should be answered, or whether it's the right time for a remark, he certainly is practicing modesty, gentleness, and patience. So he won't burst out into speech through displeasure or anger, and he won't show any signs of passion in his words or proclaim that the flames of lust are burning in his language and that the incentives of wrath are present in what he says. Let him act the right way for fear that his words, which ought to grace his inner life, should at the end plainly show and prove that there is vice in his morals. When the enemy sees that we are passionate, then especially he lays his plans. Then especially he supplies tinder. Then especially he lays his snares. And so the prophet has cause to say, Surely he has delivered me from the snare of the hunter and from the hard word. Symmachus said this hard word refers to the word of provocation. Others say the word that brings disquiet. Our speech is the snare of the enemy. Too often we say something that our enemy takes hold of and then he wounds us by our own sword. 
It's far better to perish by another's sword than by our own. The enemy tests our arms and clashes together his weapons. If he sees that I'm disturbed, he fires his darts so as to raise a crop of quarrels. If I utter an ugly word, he sets his snare. Then he gives me the opportunity for revenge as bait, so that in desiring my revenge, I may put myself in a snare and draw the death knot tight for myself. If anyone feels this enemy is near, he ought to give greater heed to his mouth, or else he will make room for the invisible enemy. But we must also guard against him who can be seen and who provokes us and spurs us on and exasperates us and supplies what will excite us to licentiousness or lust. If, then, anyone reviles us, irritates, stirs up violence, tries to make us fight, let us keep silence. Let us not be ashamed to become dumb. For the one who irritates us and does us an injury is committing sin and wishes us to become like himself. Certainly, if you're silent and hide what you feel, he's likely to say, Why are you silent? Speak if you dare, but you dare not. You're dumb. I have made you speechless. You see, if you're silent... He's all the more frustrated. He thinks himself beaten, laughed at, little thought of, ridiculed. But if you answer, he thinks he's won, because he's found one like himself. For if you are silent, men will say, that man has been abusive, but this one held him in contempt. If you return the abuse, they will say, both have been abusive. Both will be condemned and neither will be acquitted. So it's his goal to irritate me so that I might speak and act as he does. But it is the duty of a just man to hide what he feels and say nothing, to preserve the fruit of a good conscience to trust himself rather to the judgment of good men than to the insolence of an instigator and to be satisfied with the stability of his own character. One who has a good conscience ought not be troubled by false words, nor should he make more of another's abuse than of the witness of his own heart. So, then, let every man guard his humility. If, however, he's unwilling to appear too humble, he thinks as follows and says within himself, Am I to allow this man to despise me? And say these things to my face against me, as though I could not open my mouth before him? Why should I not say something to grieve him? Should I let him do me wrong as if I'm not a man? As if I can't defend myself? Should I let him bring charges against me as though I can't bring worse ones against him? My friends, whoever thinks like this is not gentle and humble. He's tempted. The tempter stirs him up and puts these thoughts in his heart. 
Often the evil spirit employs another person to say these things to him. But you should set your foot firm on a rock. If a slave utters abuse, let the just man be silent. If a weak man utters insults, let the just man be silent. If a wretch makes accusations, let the just man be silent. These are the weapons of the just man, so that he may conquer by giving way. <laughs>